Hi friends, it's Pastor Phil. This week we're going to talk about another great person of the Bible. One of my absolute favorite persons in the Bible this week, and that is Jesus' famous disciple, the Apostle Peter. However, we, we really have our work cut out for us this week. You know, other people, especially in the Old Testament, it's a little bit easier because there are narrative stories that you can follow along. So you can go back to Genesis and look at a couple chapters and read about Noah and the great flood. You can go forward a little bit and, and read a whole pile of chapters about Abraham and Joseph. You can read Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and, and learn all about Moses' life. But remember in the Old Testament, those were people looking forward to the Savior. And in the New Testament, that, that's all about Jesus, the Savior. So the narratives there are all about him. So anything we want to piece together about Peter or, or John, we, we kind of have to do some detective work this week as we piece together this narrative. So let's follow along and see what we can build in the, this story about who's Peter? What did he do? What is he like? Well, let's start with some of the basics. Where is Peter from? He's from this little tiny city called Bethsaida. It's on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee, so up in the northern part of Israel. And we know he's a fisherman. And there are a number of stories that tell us about what he used to do and, and how he got to be a disciple. So interestingly, all four Gospels about Jesus, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four tell the story of Peter becoming a disciple. But interestingly, not all of the accounts say the same thing. Don't freak out about this. This happens now and then in the Bible with some of the stories. Don't go Googling and, and listen to someone who says, see, you can't trust anything the Bible says. No, that's not the case. Remember, these are different people who have different perspectives about what they saw or heard or what was reported to them. So, for example, Matthew and Mark, they just have bare bones. They say that Jesus came up to Peter and his brother Andrew and said, follow me, and they dropped everything and followed him. That, that's simply all that Matthew and Mark wanted us to know. But then there's John. John was there too. James and John, they were also brothers. They were also fishermen. And so John tells us a little more that Andrew and, and probably Peter, they were disciples of John the Baptist first. And one day, John the Baptist saw Jesus and pointed and said, look, the Lamb of God. And then Peter and Andrew, James and John, they follow Jesus. But it's Luke who sort of completes the story. Again, not contradicting, just filling in the gaps here. Luke says that on one particular day, Jesus actually got in the boat with Peter. And he said, Peter, how about you let down your nets to get some fish? Now just think about this for a second. You're a professional fisherman. You've been out all night, you're empty-handed, and, and some guy just says, you know what you should do? You should just let down your nets again and then you'll catch some fish. Well, thankfully, Peter doesn't say, you are crazy, Jesus. No, he says, well, Master, because you say so, I'll do it. And, and he lets down the nets, and, and sure enough, there were so many fish that the boat actually started to sink. And, and that's when Peter realized, this is someone special here. And he falls at Jesus' feet in the boat and says, Lord, I am not worthy to be in your presence. I'm a sinful man. I should not even be near you. And that's when Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Follow me. I will make you a fisher of men, of people, instead of a fisherman. And sure enough, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the fishermen, they, they left behind their, their work, their livelihood, their career, their friends, their families, we know, we know that Peter was married, and they followed Jesus. 
So what can we take home from this today? Well, I don't, I don't think you have had Jesus face-to-face saying, hey, drop everything and follow me. But I do want you to know that you still have been called by Jesus. In fact, you've been called in three ways, I suppose you could say. God has, first of all, called you to believe in him. When you hear the good news of Jesus, that gospel message, that's God calling you to believe and to be a disciple, just like he did with Peter. And then as a disciple of Jesus, God gives you various callings in your life. So maybe you're a husband or a wife or a father or a mother. Maybe you're a student or an employer, employee, a citizen. These, these are callings in life where you can be a disciple who, who lets your light shine in the world. And then lastly, as a disciple who's out in the world, God wants to put you to work. So that message Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, he's talking to you too. And that is your calling to go work in his kingdom just like Peter did. So as we think about God calling Peter today, think about how God has called you, just like Peter, to be a disciple and to go and work in his kingdom. This week we're talking about Peter, one of the famous people in the Bible, one of the most beloved people in the Bible, someone who stepped to the forefront, sometimes without being asked, as one of the leaders of the Bible. I think one of the reasons that Peter is so beloved by many is because they can relate to him. Peter lived this roller coaster journey of faith and life with ups and downs and twists and turns and his high moments of faith were really great and his low moments were really pathetically bad. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. That's what my faith journey is like, up and down, backwards and forwards, all over the place. And so when I think about Peter and his journey, maybe the first thing that comes to my mind is that Peter was so quick to speak. Obviously, this guy was passionate and and impulsive too because usually he is the first one to just blurt out whatever comes to mind first. Now, sometimes that was pretty good and there were some great things he said. Other times, it was really, really bad. So let's start with some of the good stuff. Early on, and remember these disciples followed Jesus for about three years. Early on, there was this time that Jesus fed over 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. Well, after this miracle, all kinds of people, crowds were following Jesus because they wanted stuff. They wanted worldly things. So Jesus takes some time to have this long discourse. You can read it in John chapter 6. And he explains to them that I'm not here for worldly things. In fact, I am the bread of life. And if you want to be my disciple, you need to eat my flesh to have living bread. That's a metaphor saying that people needed to believe in him. Well, this was really confusing and a whole pile of people started leaving. So Jesus turns to his disciples and he's testing him here. He says, well, you don't want to go too, do you? Guess who blurts out first? Peter blurts out, well, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. Peter Awesome, great response. That is spot on. That is who Jesus is and that's what Jesus gives. Awesome response. Another awesome time came just a little bit later. Jesus testing his disciples again. There were rumors going around about who Jesus really is. So he asked his disciples, whom do people say I am? Some thought that he was John the Baptist or Elijah or or some other prophet that's come back from the dead. Who do you say I am? 
Guess who talks first? Peter just blurts out, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Oh, yes, Peter, that, that was an awesome response. That is spot on perfect. In fact, Jesus commends him, and he does a little play on words here. So his Hebrew name was Simon, but his nickname was Peter, which comes from the Greek Petros, which means rock. So he says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, on this rock I will build my church. If we take a quick time out about that, some people get a little confused and think that Jesus is talking about Peter, that he's going to build his church on Peter. Actually, Jesus' play on words is talking about what Peter said on that rock-solid confession, on that rock-solid foundation that he's the Christ. That's what he would build his church on. So here's Peter, riding high, great, awesome moments of faith, spot on with Jesus. Uh, that roller coaster is about to take a nosedive, though, pretty quickly. If you're reading in Matthew 16, it's actually the next paragraphs where Jesus is teaching his disciples about what he came to do, that, that he's going to suffer, and he's going to die. Guess who speaks up? Peter blurts out, Lord, no, that shall never happen to you. Uh, Peter, don't you get what he's saying? I mean, don't you even understand why Jesus came? I thought you, you got this part. And that's where Jesus says famously to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. He didn't get it at the time. And actually in the next chapter, Matthew 17, Peter, James, and John are, are on this mountaintop and they see Jesus changed, transfigured, flashing his glory, and Moses and Elijah appear for a few moments, and, and Peter is so overwhelmed, so overcome with awe and even fear that, again, just blurt something out, Lord, it's good to be here. We should put up some tents, some shelters. Let's stay here. Peter, Peter, what are you thinking? Uh, no, that's not what Jesus came for. He has to go down this mountain and, and go up Mount Calvary so he can die to save the world, to save us from all our sins. Peter, a little confused here. Again, some really low moments when he just blurts out whatever he says, whatever he thinks. So some things to learn here. Maybe the obvious, how about we watch what we say a little bit? I feel like I say this all the time to my kids, but I probably should say it to myself too. Think before you speak. If my wife were here, she'd probably be pointing at me in the background. Yeah, that's you, buddy. You need to think a little bit. But maybe a little more deep with, with Peter here, that we should think about what's in his heart. When he had his lower moments, it's because his focus was off. He was thinking worldly things about Jesus. But when he had his strong moments, his high points, he was spot on, dialed in, that Jesus is the Savior who has the words of eternal life. You and I can only pray that God gives us that focus so that what's in our hearts comes out of our lips with that same focus on Jesus, our Savior. So this week we're talking about the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' 12 main disciples that he called to follow him. And we are following right along on his roller coaster journey, up and down, up and down, twists and turns, high and low moments of faith. Sometimes that was because Peter was quick to speak, but other times it's because Peter was quick to act. So one that comes to mind was early on, he's following Jesus. Great day, Jesus fed 5,000 people. And, and later on, the disciples are in a boat. 
and they see Jesus walking on water coming over and they are terrified. They think this is a ghost. Obviously, you don't see people walking on water normally. But Jesus identifies himself. So Peter jumps in first, Lord, can I come down and walk on the water too? And, and Jesus responds, maybe a little like the price is right, come on down. Peter, quick to action, steps out of the boat and steps on the water and is actually walking on the water like Jesus until he sees the wind picking up, which of course would make the waves pick up and, and takes his focus off of Jesus and, and what he said and he starts to sink. And that's when Jesus says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So think about this day, quite the roller coaster, high moment, awesome moment. You're watching Jesus feed over 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and fish. Awesome. Then you're in a boat. You think Jesus is a ghost and you are terrified, right? Low moment. Then you say, I want to walk on water too. And you actually do. Awesome moment, confidence. And maybe within a few seconds, nosedive on the roller coaster, doubting Jesus sinking in the water. I get this. this. This is what my life and my faith journey is like. Up and down you go, high moments, good moments, bad moments. And unfortunately, this was by no means the worst part or the lowest moment for Peter's life. Soon enough, it was time for Jesus to make that final journey to Jerusalem. And he was telling his disciples more and more what, what was going to come, that he was going to suffer and die. And so Peter and the others were struggling as they watched Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey on, on this day that we call Palm Sunday. They, they struggled to make something of this. And then all week as Jesus was giving some really specific and tough teachings, they were struggling to understand what this all means. And, and then in the upper room on the day we call Maundy Thursday at the Last Supper, Jesus is washing their feet and, and Peter doesn't get it. Oh, Lord, no, you shouldn't wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, you don't get it. You see, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, to die for people. And again, Peter blurts out, speaks without thinking, no, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. In other words, I'm going to protect you no matter what. Peter, don't you get what's going on here? And secondly, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Peter, actually tonight, early this morning, before the rooster crows on, on Friday, you're going to deny me, disown me three times. So from that upper room, they progress out with Jesus to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter, so eager to lay down his life for Jesus, can't even stay awake. He falls asleep three times, failing to watch and to pray with Jesus. That is until the guards and the officials come to arrest him. And Peter's awake now and he's seeing what's going on and quick to act, he draws out his sword and he slices off the ear of this guy named Malchus, one of the servants of the high priest. Again, Jesus says, what, what are you thinking? Don't you get what's going on here? He heals the ear of Malchus. Put your sword away, Peter. Well, as Jesus is led away, Peter still wants to do something. He wants to be a part of this. He wants to see what's going on. So he follows to the courtyard of the high priest. And this Peter, so eager to defend Jesus and lay down his life, comes face to face with a young girl, maybe in the young teens or something like that. And apparently the moment was so high pressured, so filled with anxiety, so filled with fear that, that maybe he would get arrested too that he denies knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, three times. 
And in English, as he called down curses on himself, it would be almost like he was saying that God should condemn him. God should damn him. No, I don't know that man. And then within a few moments, he crosses eye line, eyesight with Jesus. And that's when he realizes what he did. And he just breaks down and sobs. And, and weeping, he runs out knowing that, again, quick to speak, quick to act, also quick to deny. Maybe we can understand why a few days later on Easter morning, when, when the women came back and said the tomb was empty, we can, we can understand why John and Peter were the first ones to jump up and run all the way to the tomb. What's going on here? Where's Jesus? I get this. And maybe you do too. This is my life of faith. I am so often quick to put my foot in my mouth, so often quick to act without thinking and, and making poor choices, and yet, what an incredible thing that, that Jesus lived and died and rose again for Peter, for you, and for me. That no matter what we've done, no matter how high or low, how strong or weak our faith, we have a Savior in Jesus just like Peter and that is the best news we could ever know. We've been talking about Peter this week and last time we talked about the lowest moment of Peter's life when he denied even knowing Jesus three times. What, what a terrible moment. We know there's this little known story in the scriptures. It tells us actually that on Easter morning when Jesus rose, he actually appeared not only to the disciples but at one point privately and personally to Peter. It's as if Jesus was wanting him to know, you are forgiven for what you've done. And there was another moment like that in the 40 days before Jesus visibly ascended into heaven. There was another time that they were together and the disciples were actually having breakfast with Jesus. And, and Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Now, if Jesus asked you that question, it might feel like he's sort of driving at you a bit, but there was a purpose to this. Peter says, Lord, you know, you, you know I love you. And so Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. Go work in my kingdom. Well, here's the thing. This sequence of conversation actually happened three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. An obvious point, not, not Jesus throwing it in his face that he denied him three times, but this is really Jesus tenderly reinstating Peter, restoring him to his position. Because you know what Jesus says at the end of that conversation? He actually says the same thing that he first said to Peter. Follow me. Peter, you are still my disciple. After all that you've done, you're forgiven. You're still mine. Now let's get to work. And amazingly, things were about to change drastically, renewed and rejuvenated by Jesus' forgiveness. It was a few days later, on the 50th day after Passover. This was a harvest festival. All the Jews were gathered together in Jerusalem. They also call this Pentecost. And so the disciples are there, and they hear what sounds like this loud, rushing wind. And it looked like there were little tongues of fire on their heads. And all of a sudden, they started talking in different languages, actual, real languages of the world they never knew before. And they're telling the good news of Jesus. Well, the crowds there in Jerusalem, they see this. And obviously, this is kind of a strange thing. And so they all think, well, they're just drunk. This is craziness. Well, guess who stands up to speak? Peter. He stands up in front of all of these people and he tells them, no, we are not drunk. This, in fact, is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the power of the Spirit 
who is enabling us to tell what Jesus has done. And oh, by the way, you crucified him. You crucified Jesus and he died, but he rose again. And now you need to repent and turn to God and and find forgiveness and be baptized. And this promise of repentance and forgiveness and baptism, this is for you and your children. It's for everyone, Peter says. And amazingly, more than 3,000 people came to faith that day. I mean, if you think about this, 53 days earlier, Peter was denying he knew Jesus in front of a little girl. And now here he is in front of a crowd of maybe some five or 6,000 total, boldly just letting it rip for Jesus with this bold sermon for the Lord, preaching his heart out. I mean, this is an incredible, incredible moment where the Spirit empowered him to be a bold witness for the Lord. I think there are incredible takeaways from this. I mean, think about our lives. After all that we have done in our lives, after our high moments or even our worst, lowest moments when we stumble a bit in our choices, look at how Jesus has restored Peter and used him for great things. This is what God does with us. Just like Peter, no matter what we've done, we find forgiveness in Jesus. And just like Peter, no matter what we've done, though we may be ordinary people, Peter was just a fisherman, God will use us for extraordinary things. To go and be bold witnesses, empowered by his spirit, to speak the truth of Jesus in the world. What an awesome blessing from God, from the Lord, that he would fill us with his courage, that we can boldly testify just like Peter. We are riding along on the crazy roller coaster ride of the Apostle Peter's life. Up and down he goes with great moments, with, with bad moments, and every step of the way I am right there with him. I am relating to Peter, how he's quick to speak, quick to act. I am relating to Peter that I am so thankful that Jesus forgives me in just the same way and, and wants to use me, he wants to use you in his kingdom. That empowered Peter and the Spirit filled his heart to be a bold witness. So if you're tracking along, we are long out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the, the Bible books that are called Gospels about Jesus. Now we're in the book of Acts. And that story of Pentecost was in Acts chapter 2. And if you start paging forward, that's where you'll find a different Peter, who's the apostle, who's bold, who's preaching, who is telling the leaders that he refuses to stop preaching and teaching about Jesus, whom he has seen and, and what he has done for everyone in this world, that all who call on him are saved. Well, even though Peter is this bold disciple now, that doesn't mean that the roller coaster journey is over. And I think this is good for us to relate to because we don't attain perfection here in this world. We, we try to follow what God wants, but perfection's in heaven. And so even after this, Peter had some high moments and some low moments. If you keep going forward in the book of Acts, you're going to come to this really wonderful story where Peter is on a rooftop and he's praying and he sees this vision of a sheet coming down from heaven and inside of the sheet are some animals. And God said, Peter, get up, take the animals, kill them, eat. And Peter says, uh, no, Lord, I, I've never had bacon or pulled pork in my life. I eat kosher food. I follow the laws of Moses. No. And God says, don't call anything that I've made unclean. And guess what? This whole series of visions happens three times. Again, that number three for Peter. But this is an object lesson for Peter to learn because just as that last vision was f finishing, sure enough, 
some Gentiles are at the door, some non-Jews whom they considered to be unclean. And they take Peter to the house of this Roman soldier. He was in charge of a hundred soldiers, a centurion, and his name was Cornelius. And lo and behold, Cornelius and all his family and, and the people there, they all came to faith in Jesus and they were all baptized. And, and that Cornelius event, a really big moment is when the light bulb went on. Well, I guess Jesus is actually for everybody in the world. And that changed Peter's perspective and the whole perspective of the early church. Good moment. But there's this lesser known moment that happened later on that was not so good. If you want to read about it sometime, it's in Galatians chapter 2. Again, just a, a side reference. But we're told that, that Peter was a little bit to the north and west of Jerusalem. He's in this city called Antioch, and he's hanging out with the Gentiles, the, the early Christian believers, and he was living like a Gentile. So he was worshiping Jesus on Sunday, the day he rose, and he was eating the footlong ham subs from Subway and not following the laws of Moses. When all of a sudden some Jews came from Jerusalem, and Peter pulls this two-faced move like, hey, Jew friends, uh, let's worship on the Sabbath day, on Saturday, and, and let's follow the laws of Moses and eat kosher food again. And, and in Galatians 2, the Apostle Paul actually had to call him out for being hypocritical and, and two-sided with the good news of Jesus. Again, I think this is what makes Peter so relatable for us, that we, we do stumble at times and we are confused at times and we do lose focus at times. I also think this is what makes First and Second Peter, the Bible books, really fascinating. We know so much about Peter and his life that you can read into what he's saying in these books. Peter's talking about standing firm in the faith and resisting the temptations of Satan, this lion prowling around eager to devour us. And he talks about being strong until Judgment Day when Jesus returns. I get that. This is important. Maybe spend 20 or 30 minutes this week, read First and Second Peter. It won't take much longer than that. Great encouragement for our lives as believers. So maybe this is a good place to finish with Peter and, and his life journey at the very end. So we don't have this in the Bible, but there are good historical documents, good Christian traditions that tell us at the end of his life, around the years 64 to 68 AD, Peter was in Rome with Paul. And it would seem that the Roman Emperor Nero was persecuting Christians. He was one crazy dude, but he, he wanted to find a scapegoat for this fire that broke out in Rome, and he blamed Christians. So Christian tradition would tell us that he's there in Rome, and likely Mark was someone he befriended and gave him information. That's where we get the Gospel of Mark. And that at the very end, Nero decided to execute Paul and Peter. And Christian tradition would say that Peter was going to be crucified. But in honor of his Savior Jesus, he didn't want to die in the same way, and he asked actually to be crucified upside down. And sure enough, just as he said, Lord, I would lay my, down my life for you, he actually did. He died in faith for his Savior Jesus. What an epic journey Peter took from the regular, ordinary, everyday fisherman minding his own business, who comes to hear through John the Baptist about this promised Messiah and then meets Jesus and becomes a disciple and gives his life to following the Lord. And though there are ups and downs, he took comfort in God's forgiveness, that, that Jesus loved him no matter what he had done and that Jesus was going to use him in his kingdom. I think that is a beautiful story for us, 
that though we have ordinary things going on in our lives, God does the extraordinary for us. That, that he loves us despite anything we've done. He forgives us. And that risen Savior Jesus, my Savior, your Savior, is the one who calls us to follow him until the end of our lives when we join Jesus and Peter and all the rest in glory everlasting. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. And we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed, or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.